0: The following program was paid for by Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. The views and opinions expressed on Answers Live are not necessarily those of the staff and management of the station. Management has not investigated the claims made during this program. The views and medical recommendations of guests on Answers Live are not necessarily those of Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. As always, consult your health professional regarding any medical decisions. Welcome to Answers Live, your community medical connection making a partnership of good health. The studio lines are open for your calls and questions. Call 973-268 seven nine six eight seven now, here's your host, Tom Wood. Good morning, and welcome to Answers Live, your community medical connection creating a partnership of good health. I'm your host, Tom Wood from ANS. Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialist is the largest subspecialized neurosurgical group in the state of New Jersey, with seven office locations, our newest one in Somerset County in Bedminster, New Jersey. And get your pens and pencils out, because I'm going to give you some numbers about us and our guests. So the first number, of course, is of to reach... Um, uh, ANS, it's 973-285-7800, and our website is www.ansdocs.com. Again, that's www.ansdocs.com, and the nj.com website. Please write that down, and I want to thank everyone for giving me some information and sending me those great letters through the website. Always look at the website for past shows. You can listen to them over and over again. Today I'm very excited to have a show which is unique to The Answers Live. Um, I've been listening to people and asking what you want and um, actually one of the requests was to have a show on pregnancy and getting pregnant. So today's program is going to be having trouble getting pregnant. We're going to bring on two panelists today, uh, two doctors from actually separate groups but they work together in this uh, area. The first guest would be Dr. Jamie Morris and she's from Reproductive Medicine Associates of New Jersey and then Dr. Alan Kessel from from the Rubino OBGYN group. Good morning, Dr. Morris and Dr. Kessel. Good morning. Morning. Thank you so much for uh, coming on. This is one of our first shows where we had panelists, um, so it's going to be a unique show today. We'll start with you, Dr. Morris. Just let our listeners know a little bit about you and tell us about your practice.
1: First of all, thank you for allowing us to come on. We really appreciate the opportunity to be here and educate the listeners. Um, My name is Jamie Morris. I'm one of the physicians at Reproductive Medicine Associates of New Jersey, We actually have 14 doctors in our practice, and there are seven offices. Our offices are located throughout the state, and our most convenient offices to our listening area primarily the Morristown, the Summit, and the West Orange, and our Basking Ridge offices. I was a local girl, grew up in New Jersey, and trained, did my residency in New Jersey at St. Barnabas. Actually, decided not to be so local, went out and did my fellowship at University of Washington in Seattle, but of course came back. So good girls going back to Jersey, right? And moved back here in order to work at RMA and J. Okay, so I've been with the group for over ten. 11 years. <laughs> I'm very excited to be able to talk about these issues today.
0: Okay, great. And the number for that office, everyone, get your pens ready, is 973-656-2089. And you can reach them also on the web at rmanj.com. Okay, Dr. Kessel, up to you now. Good morning to you also from the Rubino OBGYN group. A little bit about you and your office.
2: Uh, thank you for having me. Um, we're, um, we're based out of four locations. Um, we're, we're a generalist group. Um, We have offices in West Orange, Summit, Bayonne, and Clark. Um, There's eight docs in our practice. And the central thing about our practice is we like to do a lot of minimally invasive work. We like to keep patients out of the operating room and in the office. We're also um, certified by the American Institute of Ultrasound and Medicine. We're involved with with RMA uh, quite a bit, both um, sending patients to them and and receiving patients for them. We have a very good professional relationship with Okay,
0: them. so like a collaborative um, working environment with, with getting these um, women pregnant. That's awesome. Again, to uh, reach Dr. Um, Kessel, his number is 973-736-1100, and you can reach him online, com. Okay, um, again, anyone who wants more information, just visit the Answers Live NJ website, and um, I'll have that information. You can always reach out to me, again, to get that information on both my guests. So I guess we'll start with you, Dr. Morris, and just um, a basic question is what is infertility and how is that defined?
1: Well, infertility is fundamentally the inability to conceive a baby, but infertility also refers to the state of a woman who is unable to carry a pregnancy full term, whether it be miscarriages or other conditions that will prevent somebody from actually carrying a pregnancy. Primarily, women under the age of 35 should seek out some fertility or be considered infertile if they have had no success after trying for 12 months. But women over the age of 35, the criteria is a little bit different, and they should actually be considered to seek out treatment or infertility evaluation after six months of trying.
0: Okay, so under 35, it's 12 months. Over 35, it's six months of of trying. Okay. Um, Dr. Morris, let me throw this question at you. What are some causes and risks associated with infertility? Because that's probably a big thing nowadays with all the stress. And you hear so many different reasons why people can't get pregnant. But what is your medical? um,
1: Well, there actually are lots of different reasons why women experience infertility. And what really people need to understand is that it can be multifactorial. And it also can be part from the male, part from the female, and sometimes part from both So certain things that can actually be very involved are age. As women get older, it gets harder to get pregnant. Um, We sort of already know that a little bit, but we actually are learning more and more about that as things are changing and evolving. Certain sexually transmitted diseases in the history, certain tubal diseases, um, issues like endometriosis or other medical physical problems that can um, occur, um, abnormal weight, either too high or too low, Smoking, um, excessive alcohol use—these are all things that can actually affect and alter someone's ability to get pregnant.
0: Okay, um, nowadays, like I said, with with things going on, I hear a lot of uh, women are starting out older. And nowadays, with their careers. So, age does play a a pretty good role in that.
1: Yes, age is definitely one of the biggest factors, and we know that just by the fact that as women get older, we have less eggs around, and the eggs that are around are not as good quality. So, just inherently, unfortunately, it gets more difficult to get pregnant as one gets older. And, you know, that's something that we just have to deal with as we move on in society
0: okay and for those m- men who are listening um you said it could partially be their their issue with it also what what do the men experience what what problems do they have
1: well absolutely over 30 percent of infertility is male factor so it's very important that we deal work with the men and get them evaluated um, low sperm count low motility low morphology that can come from any reason or from no reason um can definitely affect one's ability to get pregnant
0: Okay. And being a male and and listening to a lot of uh, friends who are having trouble uh, getting pregnant, for a man, being here as a male and a lot of male listeners, um, what is that experience like? They have to come for testing. Uh, How do you make them comfortable? What are the tests that that men have to go through? The women are used to that, men are not.
1: (laughs) That is true. And we try to make them as comfortable as possible. But essentially for men, we need to see a semen analysis. Okay. Um, We try to set up semen analyses at very convenient times early in the morning. We open up at 6 o'clock in the morning so that guys can come in and do their thing, right. give their sample, and you know get off to work and not mess up their day. Right. But it is important for us to get a good evaluation so we have an idea of where we're starting from.
0: Okay. Um, either of you, Dr. Morris or Dr. Kessel, when should you speak to your ob And I guess it probably would be, Dr. <laughs> Kessel, um, about fertility?
2: Well, uh, Dr. Morris touched on it uh, pretty well. But again, if, if uh, a couple where the woman is less than the age of 35 um, has been trying for more than a year, that's, that's when we need to start the process, at least start the initial workup, or above the age of 35 if they've been trying for six months. Um, that being said, um, when the woman is greater than 35, if at any time they're interested in a referral or workup for, for fertility, we will, we will send them out. Um, other issues that, that may um, prompt a, a workup is if there's a family history of um, premature ovarian failure, which in English means uh, if... If the patient's mother or immediate relatives had uh, went into menopause before the age of 40, that would prompt a more um, expedited workup. Or if there's anything that um, may lead us to to concerns about um, uh, the male, there's any history of um, uh, problems in infer- infer- infertility on their end or varicocele or other kind of anatomic problems um, that might uh, lead to an issue. So um, that's usually the case, although a lot of times... Um, these days with the internet and, and, and social media, patients are coming in a little sooner than that um, with, with questions. So I think that um, those kinds of issues are driving patients to come in sooner than, than this uh, year block um, that they've been trying for.
0: Right. Okay. Um, having uh, children myself, actually, they're teenagers. Um, uh, they're up in 18 and, and 14. And I've had those talks with them. But for, for people listening, when is that fertility stage for women? When does it start? I mean, you hear about women have, you know, millions of eggs, and then over time, they stop. Men are fertile for the rest of their lives. Explain that a little bit to our listening audience when that happens. When is a woman actually fertile? When does that stop? And how it works with men?
2: I can start this, and I think Dr. Morris could probably expand a little bit more based on what I'm uh, on my knowledge. There is a decline in fertility after the age of 28, which is a gradual curve. Wow. There's no magic number, in okay. every patient you have to take everything on a case by case basis. But there is a decline in fertility after the age of 20, 28, which is gradual. So um, again, you have to get a very careful family history. Um, 35 is is sort of. Uh, used to be the magic number for advanced maternal age because that's when um, amniocentesis um, became um, worth it um, risk-wise as far as ruling out Down syndrome. Now there's better tests, so you don't need an amniocentesis. Now 35 is more of a magic number because the fertility rates with IVF are so much higher below the age of 35. They're still high afterwards, but they're they're more optimal below the age of 35. So um, I think patients need to have it in the back of their mind Slowly moving forward after the age of thirty-eight. Okay. Oh, sorry, twenty-eight.
0: Okay, uh,
2: that's very interesting.
0: It sounds so young, twenty-eight, but um, I guess that's that's the age that people start to decline a little bit. Um, what should your OB/GYN and you could answer this, of course, um, do before they refer refer you to an infertility specialist? What should be done?
2: There's a, there's a few tests we do. Um, obviously, depending on the situation, sometimes we'll just refer immediately. But one of the things we do is we check what's called ovarian reserve which is just looking uh, at hormone levels, which give us an idea of how capable that ovary is of releasing eggs that can get fertilized. Um, And the big test there is something called anti-mullerian hormone. It's a blood test. We can draw at any time, and it doesn't matter if the patient's on birth control pills. Um, That's an important test as well as a couple others. And that gives us sort of a snapshot. It's not 100% accurate, but it's a snapshot of how that ovary looks and and how, quote-unquote, young or old it is, Um, as well as... um, That's the main test we do. Another test we do is looking at the fallopian tubes to see if they're open and not blocked because that would prompt a a more expedited referral to these guys. And again, we always check the semen analysis, which uh, is usually the hardest part of the workup. Getting the men to give a sample is is like the bane of my existence. Yes,
0: I can understand that.
2: But those are the main things. And and once we have those, um, we'll uh, send the patient over to, to these guys at RMA.
0: Okay. So you do the workup before they get over there. Uh, Very interesting. We're going to take a quick break and I'll be right back. I'm Tom Wood of Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. Suffering from neck or back pain can truly disrupt your life. Every day I hear of the stories of people whose lives have been devastated by nerve pain, but who are afraid to see a neurosurgeon. They're scared of surgery. But at Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists, we make getting back to the life you want possible using a variety of minimally invasive treatments. Our group of specialists are among the best-trained doctors in the state. The leaders in stroke and minimally invasive spine and brain tumor procedures, and we view surgery as the last option. Don't be afraid to end your pain. Trust Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. We have eight offices throughout New Jersey and are affiliated with most healthcare systems. Call nine seven three two eight five seven eight zero zero or visit us at ansdocs.com. That's ansdocs.com. Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialist. We've truly got your back. Welcome back to Answers Live. I'm your host, Tom Wood, from Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialist. Today we are talking about infertility and um, getting pregnant and and many different issues about how fertility works, when to have fertility tests, and we um, left off um, with some really good information, and I was speaking to Dr. Morris, and I want to ask you another key question. Um, are there times someone should be asking about fertility tests actually before they get to that point where they're trying and trying and trying for maybe they're older now, they're 35, and now they're thinking about fertility? When should they maybe think about bringing this up with their OBGYN?
1: Well, actually, that's a great question because it's one of those things that we really are trying to get out to the lay public to be more aware that fertility does decline as we get older. And not only that, but there are other issues that can affect fertility. So as the OBGYNs have been doing a fantastic job of evaluating and talking to patients who possibly aren't at that point of saying, wow, I've been trying for a year and I'm really frustrated. But perhaps just someone who either has a medical history, they've had chemotherapy, they've had radiation, they've had other surgeries in the past for endometriosis, for ovarian cysts. These are all things that can lead to what we call diminished ovarian reserve or lower chances of having good quality eggs that are left. Also, single women... And women who are, you know, as they get older, might not have been trying to get pregnant, but are starting to think, hey, when am I going to have a baby and should actually start that process? And the OBGYNs are starting those conversations. And we do encourage people to bring that up with their OBGYNs, start talking about these issues, get some of the testing. Like Dr. Kessel mentioned, the AMH um, anti-mullerian hormone test is an excellent, easy test to be done. That can give a little bit of a snapshot into what's going on with the health of the ovaries and maybe alert some people to say, wow, maybe I need to think about this sooner. And the reason this is actually so important now, even more so than it's been in the last couple of years, is that we can offer patients even more. The technology and the treatments have advanced to the point where there is so much more for patients now than there were five years ago. And I'm happy to discuss that further as we move things
0: along. Right, definitely. So basically, they can have an idea if they have some issues younger than waiting until you're 35 and maybe waiting five years to get it all figured out. Now you're 40, where if you start a little bit younger, it's easier. Of course, like even with us, with the back and the spine and the brain, things are a lot easier when you're younger. Um, so that's a, that's a great answer for that. Um, another question for either of you is, why is it important the patients know the difference between pregnancy rates and delivery rates? That's always a, a good question. Uh, either of you, that's fine.
2: Well, from from my standpoint as the referring doc, um, I you know I'm mo- most interested in delivery rates. Um, pregnancy rates is is an antiquated term from when IVF rates were so much lower. They're they're double what they used to be at least. So um, the patient wants to get pregnant. We want them to get pregnant and have a baby. Um, and there's uh, it's critical because there's there's an emotional and a financial ceiling when you get in a full blown IVF. Right. Um, patients. Um, can burn out emotionally before their insurance coverage um, ends. So, you know, you want them, you want them to get pregnant uh, in a safe way, and you want them uh, to have that baby so that they, they're able to achieve that outcome before they, um, you know, um, are emotionally exhausted by the experience.
0: Right. And you touched on a strong topic even in our practice, uh, insurance. Um, does insurance pay for this IVF? And if so, I know it varies different insurance companies and insurance companies, but they do um, pay for some of this?
1: It, it, it does vary, right. but there absolutely are lots of insurance companies and lots of policies and lots of patients out there that have insurance that probably don't even know that they have some coverage. Right. Um, there are some state laws in New Jersey that do touch upon this. So New Jersey is actually one of the better states, and it is important for patients to look into this to figure out whether they might have some coverage or not.
0: Okay. Um, another question I want to ask is um, I do have friends and family that have gone through IVF and, and thankfully successful, um, but some of them have tried and, uh, and it's been years and it took long and then it didn't work and it worked, but eventually happily say they they've all now have beautiful children. But why are success rates not the same um, from practice to practice? What, what makes, say, your practice the place to go, which I'm sure it is, opposed <laughs> to somewhere else?
1: Well, every practice has their own recipe. Um, and how they want to treat their patients, how they treat their patients. And every practice has their own success rates. You know, obviously for us, the most important thing is take home baby. That's all we ever say. You know, our goal is for everyone to have a take home baby, not a get pregnant, but to take that baby home, Um, you know, get them to, to Dr. Kessel's office, get them to the OBGYN's office. They can actually get to that point. Um, Different practices do different things. And have different ways that they handle it and different doctors um, treat patients different ways, different embryology labs. And that actually can really change the way that a patient um, is treated, is, has a, what kind of outcome they're going to have, and whether they do get to the take-home baby stage.
0: Right. So it's, it is related to the practice itself. Even with us, people say, why are our success rates so high? Why do your patients do so well? It's A, the doctors we have on staff, like you do. Um, it's the education of the staff in the office. It's how we treat the patients, our follow-up, uh, the tests before, the right tests are done. So really in the same realm with infertility, that's what you're looking for.
1: Absolutely. And I think right now there's such a boom in the technology for in vitro. We've had such a growth in the technology in the last four to five years with the advancements of testing embryos before we transfer them, looking at things to test for the chromosome um, in the embryo before we transfer, something called comprehensive chromosome screening. So these are all things that have actually played into and really improved our success rates as well as what we're trying to work on a big initiative to lower the multiple rates. Keep those good pregnancy rates, keep the great success rates, keep the take-home baby rates, but yet try to bring down the multiple rates.
0: Right. And you said the multiples, because a lot of people who have this end up... My cousin actually just had uh, two beautiful boys uh, last week uh, from in vitro. Um, And we were happy, like I said, they were twins, but the multiples are common when you're doing in vitro. Is that true or...? Is it something that?
1: Um, multiples are all too common okay. when we're doing in vitro. And fortunately, um, even in my lifespan of my practice, it's gotten from triplets to twins. Okay. And um, we very, very rarely have ever seen a triplet anymore. But twins are still, unfortunately, too common. And we've been working very hard at RMA and J to try to reduce that kind of burden. Um, and twins, while there can be a very happy occasion, right. they also can be complicated and I'm right. sure Dr. Kessel has some things to add to that because he takes care of those twin pregnancies. But we are trying to make lots of strides towards one healthy baby at a time.
0: Okay. And that, that, that's very good information. Um, do you want to add anything to that, um, Dr. Morris, Dr. Kessel?
2: Well, it, I definitely agree with what Dr. Morris said. Um, a lot of patients look at twins as a way of, of getting that second pregnancy out of the way quickly and that it's only just slightly more risky than a, than a singleton pregnancy. It's, it's more than just slightly more risky. Right. So in my dream universe, a patient would come in um, that's had IVF at and, and eight weeks and had um, the chromosomes tested um, before they come to me, and it's just one pregnancy. So whatever that patient went through, to get to that point, we know it was probably a rough ride. We know that moving forward with that pregnancy it's going to be smooth sailing.
0: Okay. Um, we're getting close to the end of the show, but I want to ask you to let our listeners know, what questions should patient ask when they're searching for infertility treatment? What would be those questions to look for? Um, uh,
1: I, you know, I think what's important is that a patient um, understands and comes in asking, I want to get diagnosed quickly. I want to know what's going on. Um, I want to have a sense about a plan pretty quickly and how soon can I move into that plan? Because time is one of the biggest issues that we're facing. And it's important for patients to feel that they're, that they're being evaluated, they're being treated, and they're being released as quickly as possible. Because really, they wanted to have that baby last year, not be sitting across the desk from me this year.
0: Right. And how safe is IVF? I mean, it, it sounds, people, you hear people going for it all the time. But actually, how safe is it for those people who are, are at home questioning it or worrying about it?
1: Well, there's been over 1 million IVF babies born. Um, in, this, in this country, in this world, actually. And therefore, we know that there's a tremendous safety um, factor. Obviously, there can be complications. And these are things that you want to sit down and talk with your doctor. There are definitely issues that can come up for both the mother and the baby. But overall, IVF is very safe for the mom and for the growing fetus. But it is important that doctors discuss that.
0: Right. And, and briefly, explain what, what actually happens with in vitro. What, what are you actually doing as, you know, briefly as you can? You're taking an egg?
1: Our whole goal actually is a little bit of super ovulation. What we're trying to do is to get more than one egg that month. Okay. Um, hopefully between four and 20 eggs on average. And then we actually do is follow a patient with medications till we see how they're stimulating. We retrieve the eggs when they're ready to come out, and then they get fertilized in the lab dish. After that, we have them develop in our lab to what we call the blastocyst stage, which is the day five, day six embryo stage. And that's also an important point, separates different programs because some programs will push embryos all the way to a little further stage so that the implantation rates and the pregnancy rates can be higher because you've got a more advanced, more mature embryo to transfer. And very similar to what Dr. Kessel says, I always tell my patients in my perfect world, everybody comes in and gets pregnant with one baby at a time.
0: Okay. Now, um, implanting that, that embryo at a, a little sooner stage, you said the other ones are later, are your success rates the same as other centers? Um, do you feel it just helps you with the one embryo?
1: We're finding ev- both of those issues. We're finding better success rates, and it certainly helps us with be able to pick a better embryo because it's further along. And it helps us to pick that one embryo to transfer so we can lower those twin rates and triplet rates.
0: Okay. Um, Your center itself, does it practice evidence-based medicine? Do you actually monitor all this?
1: Oh, yes. In fact, um, the motto is, you know, data, data, data. All we do is look at our data, look at other people's data, and make decisions based on good information. Not on what we think will work, but on what we actually are seeing, whether it's our own studies, which we do many, all the time, whether it comes out of our own research lab or whether we're reading it and learning it from a meeting or a journal.
0: Okay. Uh, Dr. Castle, um, being OB-GYN, um, IVF babies, since I am now um, the uncle to two, um, how is the health of IVF babies? Any different than a normal pregnancy?
2: I haven't seen any difference whatsoever. Okay. You know, the main issue with an IVF uh, pregnancy is, is it a, uh, twins or not? Right. So in a singleton pregnancy, um, again, it usually goes beautifully. We don't see any issues. And uh, certainly obstetrically, um, uh, you know, there's no problems whatsoever. So um, as, as far as I'm concerned, they're, you know, they're as healthy as normal babies.
0: Okay. And, and mentioning the twins, <clears throat> since my cousin had it, the concern, and I saw with my cousin, she had preeclampsia. She had a lot of issues with carrying the twins. Um, that's really what you're worried about. So as, although it's exciting to hear you're having twins, it's probably not the best thing when you're trying to do IVF.
2: Right. I mean, I, you know, I don't want people to think that twins is a, is a, is a disaster. Right, the right, overwhelming right, right. majority of twin pregnancies go very well. Right. Um, but you're still looking at uh, preterm delivery, um, lower birth weight um, for each of the twins. Um, there's definitely an increase of, of pregnancy-induced hypertension, which can require an earlier delivery. That's a more dangerous situation right. for the twins. There's an increased risk of gestational diabetes. And there is a slightly increased risk of fetal demise of one or both of the twins, um, as high as 1% to 2% versus as high as 0.5% for a singleton pregnancy. So again, the overwhelming majority do very well, um, but there is an increased risk. And in obstetrics, you don't want to take any extra risks unless you have to.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, what would be your takeaway messages, both of you, for, uh, for our listeners that are listening today? Um, I'd like to give those key points. So um, if you, you're, you're thinking about having a child. Um, you want to start looking into infertility tests younger. Maybe you don't have those issues, but you're saying maybe research it a little bit before. Is that correct? Absolutely. All right. I think
1: thinking about these issues ahead of time can only help you going forward.
0: Okay. Um, is this hereditary if your mom or your, someone had infertility issues? Are you noticing it's a, it's, a, it's a trait that you'd have to worry about if your mom had trouble, you would have trouble?
2: I think it's multifactorial, but definitely uh, there is a hereditary link. So, okay. um, women whose, whose mothers went into a early menopause, either before the age of 40 or even early 40s, should definitely be aware of it and, and get that, um, you know, potentially get that ovarian reserve snapshot, which is very easy to get which will help them plan for their future and know what their timeline is.
0: Okay. Anything else you would like our listeners to know? I do want to bring you both back at some point to really delve into more of this because it's such an interesting topic. Um, we definitely should talk more on it. But any any other closing question or answers you would want to give our listening audience on anything? I think centers. it's
1: important to remember to be very positive and to stay positive in this, in this scenario. You can wind up feeling very down. Patients can get upset, and you can understand it. It's you know, not something they ever expected to experience, and it's important to try to stay positive through the process. Go get yourself tested. Talk to your OBGYN. Move on to a fertility specialist if you need to. But understand that we have a lot of technology out there, and most people who seek treatment do great.
0: Wonderful. You guys are doing amazing work. Um, that was Dr. Jamie Morris from Reproductive Medicine Associates in New Jersey. To reach her, you can call 973-656-2089. And Dr. Alan Kessel from the Brabino OBGYN group, and you can reach him at 973-736-1100. Again, I'm Tom Wood from Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialist. You could always reach us at 973 285 Uh, 7,800. And again, don't let insurance dictate where you go for the best neurosurgical care in the state. We will see all patients. I want to thank everyone for listening. Check out the website, AnswersLiveNJ.com to listen to the show again. Uh, Thank you and have a great day. Join us again next week for Answers Live, your community medical connection making a partnership of good health.
2: The preceding program
0: was paid for by Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. The views and opinions expressed on Answers Live are not necessarily those of the staff and management of the station. Management has not investigated the claims made during this program. The views and medical recommendations of guests on Answers Live are not necessarily those of Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. As always, consult your health professional regarding any medical decisions.